Hi, I'm Jared Burns, and you're listening to Stump the Preacher, a podcast where we explore how Christianity and the Bible intersect with our deepest questions and our daily lives. In each episode, I address a submitted question to help you find Bible-based, Christ-centered answers to what's on your mind. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I love helping you search for them. So join me today as we research another question. Welcome back to Stump the Preacher. It's been a while since I put out a new episode. I sure did not expect a pandemic of COVID-19 that was going to turn everything upside down and take up uh, most of my waking hours, keeping things going with online services for the church. And then once we finally got to a position where we knew what we were doing with that and everything seemed to be smooth sailing. Then it came time for reopening, which was even more work. And I really didn't have time (laughs) to put together new episodes of this. But things are slowing down a little bit now, and I have some time to put new episodes together. And I really do think that this is a worthwhile ministry. So thank you for hanging in there with me. I'm going to try to be more faithful in my timing of putting this together. My plan at this point is for a new episode to be released on the uh, the first Friday of the month. So look for that. I'll try to get those out. But I appreciate you joining me today for episode number five. And today we're going to look at a question that I have received a number of times. Some variation of this question. Why does the Bible condone slavery? Those who ask that question are operating off of the presupposition that the Bible does condone slavery. And part of the reason why they think the Bible condones slavery is that there are several passages of Scripture that deal with how slaves are to be treated, and so they take that as a sort of tacit approval of slavery. And understandably, that's a a horrifying proposition because we, we look at slavery, and we're familiar with the history of slavery in this country and the, uh, the, the dark stain that that is on our nation's history. And so the thought that anything would try to justify that is abhorrent to us. And it's just inconceivable that the Bible would support such a thing. And yet there are these passages that give what is interpreted as tacit approval. And so people then ask, well, why would the Bible support that? And sometimes it's asked as a legitimate question. Sometimes it's asked as sort of a gotcha to try to undermine the authority of the Bible, try to undermine our belief in inerrancy of the Bible, because if we believe that the Bible is without error, then we have to offer some kind of explanation for why such a moral evil would be endorsed by it. So rather than asking why the Bible condones slavery, I think we need to start with the question, does the Bible condone slavery? And I would say no to that, at least not as we understand it. We need to draw a distinction between the kinds of slavery that we're familiar with and the slavery that was more widespread in the ancient world. Now, I'm speaking in general terms there. uh, I'm sure that there were some brutal practices In the ancient world. But generally speaking, slavery in the ancient world was an economic decision, both in Israel and in the Roman world, the New Testament was written in. It was an economic decision. 
I know, I know there are some exceptions. These are, this is kind of a general assessment of slavery. There were some exceptions in the Roman world. Somebody could be drafted into slavery involuntarily after they were defeated in battle. I understand that. I'm talking in general terms here. It was, it was an economic decision. If somebody needed to put themselves into slavery for their economic benefit, then that's a decision they might make. And please don't, uh, don't send me any hate mail and don't turn it off just yet. I am not defending slavery in America as it was practiced with the tired old justification that it was for their own good, as some people did prior to the Civil War. They said that, that slavery was a net good both for the slaves and for the masters. I do not believe that. But I'm saying in the Roman world, somebody, if they could not support their family, they might go to work in that capacity as a, as a slave or as an indentured servant for a wealthy family, and they might earn room and board for their family. If they got into debt and didn't think that they could get out of it, they might put themselves into slavery for a period of time and work off the debt in that way. There, there was no bankruptcy system in ancient Rome. That's how they would get out of debt. So they would make the decision themselves a lot of times. Uh, a lot of times it was a temporary situation until their lot improved, until they maybe had fewer mouths to feed until their debt was paid off. It was a temporary situation. In the modern world, we recognize that it was something altogether different. And when I say modern world, I'm including slavery in America prior to 1865. I know that doesn't sound all that modern to us, but in comparison to ancient Rome and even earlier on in, in Israel, 1865 is pretty modern. But in the modern world, slavery has been an altogether different circumstance. It has been involuntary, meaning nobody's making the free will choice to go work for somebody else in this capacity. They are being drafted against their will and being forced to work. They are uh, forcibly enslaved. That's different. Many times it it, it is race-based. In the history of this country, slavery was a horror that was reserved for people of African descent. They didn't take white people as slaves, generally speaking. And with race-based slavery in the plantation system, the slaves are viewed and treated as though they are less than full human beings. And that's a big distinction between slavery in the ancient world and slavery in the modern world. In, in the Roman world, just about anybody could end up as a slave at some point in their life if their economic situation led them in that direction. And so as a slave in the, in the Roman world that the New Testament speaks of, you might be of a lesser social class. You might have less social standing than a citizen. But it's in the evils of modern-day slavery that we see people being treated as less than human. And I think it's very important for us to understand this distinction in order to understand what the Bible actually is talking about when it discusses slavery. Certainly, the truth of the Bible is timeless, and yet we cannot divorce the Bible from its historical and cultural context. We can read and study the Bible, looking at what it was saying to the original audience in its historical and cultural context, and then we can apply those lessons to issues in the modern world. But what we cannot do is look at something that the Bible was addressing in the year 65 
and treat it as though it is discussing something in the year 1865, as though those two institutions are the same thing. To read what the Bible said about the year 65 and read it through the lens of the year 1865 is to make the Bible affirm something it never affirmed. Roman slavery in the year 65 was not exactly the same thing as American slavery in the year 1865. And even when the Bible looks at the slavery that was practiced in the ancient world, it doesn't condemn it, it doesn't condone it, it regulates it. And that's where some people look at it and say, well, the Bible must condone it. Let me be very clear on this. The Bible at no time says, hey, slavery is a great thing. I understand that in the history of our country, the Bible was misinterpreted and misapplied by people who wanted to justify slavery. But the Bible, even speaking toward the slavery in the ancient world, never commanded it, never said it was a great thing. It recognized it and it regulated it for the good of those who had made the decision to put themselves into slavery in that time for whatever economic reason. So it regulated slavery. Let's look at a few of the places in the Bible where it discusses this ancient form of slavery. If you have your Bible, I'm going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 15. Starting there in verse 12, it says, If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing this day. This passage is not telling the ancient Israelites, go out and get lots of slaves. Slavery is great. It recognized the economic reality, and it taught them to treat their slaves fairly. It said, don't keep them in slavery the rest of their life. Let them work for you until they've worked off the debt, until they've worked off the price, until their economic situation has improved, and then set them free. Release them. But don't just toss them out empty-handed where the cycle is going to repeat itself and they're going to end up in slavery all over again. He said, instead, Moses said, take what God has blessed you with and bless them abundantly out of that. So even there in ancient Israel, the Bible wasn't so much condoning slavery as recognizing that it existed and ensuring that the slave owners treated their slaves fairly and set them free, but also brought an end to the conditions that led them to sell themselves into slavery in the first place. The Bible, even then, was working toward these people no longer being slaves. Now, if we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9 tells masters not to threaten their slaves. They were supposed to treat them with kindness. How is that anything like the kind of slavery that was seen in America. They were told to treat them with kindness, even talk to them with kindness and with respect. He says, uh, the Apostle Paul says, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. It was a reminder, talk to them with gentleness, with love and with respect. Don't threaten them because remember, you serve a master in heaven and he's not partial. He doesn't make any difference between you and the slave. Now, the Apostle Paul also in Colossians 4.1 said, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. 
So he said, don't, don't mistreat your slaves. Don't cheat them. Give them what is just and give them what is fair, remembering that you also serve a master in heaven. And just as our master, just as our Lord is loving and merciful and generous, we ought to be the same way to those that are in our care. And then the ultimate discussion of slavery in the Bible is in the book of Philemon. The whole thing is about Philemon, an escaped slave, who sounds to me, on the basis of my study, like he might have been in a trusted position in the household of Onesimus, the slave owner, and he might have somehow betrayed that trust and had run away to Rome, had since become a Christian, and had gotten acquainted with the Apostle Paul, who was now sending him back to make things right. And Paul told Onesimus not to mistreat him, not to punish him. He said, receive him not as a slave, but as a brother. So when you look at what the Bible says about slavery, the Bible never says slavery is a good thing. The Bible acknowledges that it existed, and the Bible regulated it to give rights and protections to the slaves that they didn't have otherwise. Now, in terms of the kind of slavery we're familiar with here in America, the Bible never comes out and explicitly condemns that. You might ask yourself, why? Because it didn't exist. It hadn't happened yet. The American plantation system did not start for another 15 or 1600 years after the completion of the New Testament. And yet, we can look at the Bible and we can see that the Bible clearly condemns the practices that took place during the slave trade and the plantation system as they were applied in America. Just look at two of the distinguishing characteristics of slavery in America. Number one, it was involuntary. And number two, it was a race-based system that treated people like less than human beings because of the color of their skin. The Bible condemns both of those. When I say it was involuntary, I mean that Africans did not choose to come and be slaves in America, but they were kidnapped in order to be sold into slavery. At no point in time does the Bible treat this as anything other than a crime and an offense against the individual and an offense against God. It even commands the death penalty for those who would go and kidnap people in order to sell them into slavery. Any kind of kidnapping. It commanded the death penalty for that. I I don't understand how people in the 1800s used it to try to justify slavery, because the Bible is very clear that the kind of practice where they were going into these African countries, and they were kidnapping people, they were loading them on ships, and they were hauling them across the ocean. The Bible looks at practices like that, and it commanded the death penalty under the Old Testament for those who would do those sorts of things. This is not something that God took lightly. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul condemned the practice of kidnapping as being on par with things like murder and fornication. He said that these things were contrary to the gospel. So the Bible does not condone the kind of slavery that existed in America when it says the whole basis for it in involuntary servitude was contrary to the gospel. But it also condemns the kind of race-based dehumanization of people that, that was endemic to the plantation system here in America. Because in Genesis chapter 1, it describes how we have all been created in the image of God. And Acts chapter 17 says that he made all the nations of men from one blood. The differences among all the races and all the ethnicities and all the nationalities are very superficial. Because when you get down to the core of who we are, the Bible teaches that we are all the same. We were created in the image of a God who loved us and desired fellowship with us. And all of us through sin fell 
and that image was marred, and we were separated from God, and yet God loved us enough that he sent Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to die for each and every one of us. Jesus didn't just die for the Jews. He didn't just die for the Gentiles. He didn't just die for black or white or rich or poor. He died to save sinners. He died to save all of us. And the book of Ephesians describes how Jesus took all of us from disparate groups and disparate peoples, and he reconciled us all together to God through the cross. And at the foot of the cross, there's no division of nationality. There's no division of the races. There are just those that Jesus loved and that Jesus died for and those who've been saved by the blood he shed on the cross. So back to the original question, why does the Bible condone slavery? It doesn't. With the kind of slavery that we're familiar with here in America, the Bible is unequivocally and unapologetically opposed to kidnapping people and forcing them into involuntary servitude, and to treating people like they are less than human beings created in the image of God simply because of the color of their skin. The Bible is absolutely in opposition to the kind of slavery that we're familiar with. To the slavery of the ancient Roman world, the Bible never treated it as ideal. It never encouraged it as something that ought to be pursued, but it recognized that a need existed for people to be able to better their economic situation. And it regulated it. It gave them more protections and a higher standing than they had at any other time in the ancient world. Not because masters in Israel or Rome were any better or worse than anybody else, but because it was the God of the Bible who looked at human beings like you and me and attached value to them. He created us in His image. He loves us. And He desires for each of us to be saved and spend eternity with Him, because Jesus Christ died to pay for our sins and deal with the problem of our separation from God once and for all. Now that's all the time we have today on Stump the Preacher. I hope you'll join me next time as we tackle another question. And in the meantime, visit us online at stumpthepreacherpodcast.com. Leave us a question, and we'll do our best to get to it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Stump the Preacher. If you have a question you'd like us to consider for a future episode, just visit us online at stumpthepreacherpodcast.com and use our contact form to submit it. You can also find more Bible teaching from me on my website, jaredburns.com, or on my other podcast, Rejoicing in Truth, a daily program available on iTunes, Spotify, and most other podcatchers. 